to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, coming to you from DraftKings Studios, with your hosts, Kyle Morganoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. It is a day to remember, always, always remember, the 5th of November, as they as they say in V for Vendetta. Betts, how you doing, man? Doing well. Um, I feel like this day has flown by. I feel a little bit unprepared <laughs> for the show today, despite the fact that I spent approximately seven hours this morning piling through DraftKings and our GPP and, and uh, cash picks that are in the DFS pass. But these Thursdays, man, we always talk about this. It just like flies by and then all of a sudden we're like, you ready to record? And usually I say no, but somehow we fake it and here we are. So <laughs> it's worked so far this year. So let's keep it rolling. Dude, you just need to say Jamal Agnew's name and log off and you're fine. After after this past week, you're totally oh, we'll fine. Talk about I'm it. I'm living large here. All right, so I'm here in Atlanta. My Braves won the World Series. They're shutting down the whole city basically tomorrow. Kids are off school. I mean, it is a great time to be here as an Atlanta Braves fan, as a sports fan, as a Falcons fan. We can talk about that. It's a different conversation for DFS in terms of this slate and preparing for it. There's a couple of names that really stand out, and then. I feel like you have to guess at running back. Like there, there's not as many options. You see the names at the top and then you go forward and you're like, I don't, I don't know where to go. So this slate has also changed a ton since Tuesday, right? Like on Tuesday, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in that matchup. Well, that game looks completely different now that we have Jordan Love in the mix. We'll talk about him at 4,400 on DK, 6K on FanDuel. That's a conversation. There's just a number of things that have changed this slate and changed some of the information on it. So we'll talk about that. But I wanted to get in a quick question. I kind of teased this on Tuesday, and I had a couple of listeners reach out, and I think it's something we don't talk about enough. It's contest selection. So we're going to go to nitty-gritty. Beyond cash, which is what Betts and I talk about each week, You know, assembling a cash game lineup for us is about double-ups, and it is finding those massive fields. So the ones that we usually use a lot of our data is the $25 massive double-up or the uh, there's a $5 one that's massive. Those are the big ones on DraftKings where, you know, 8,000 people plus are in there and you're just trying to be better than half the field. But for GPPs, I feel like people get a little lost. They know about the Millie Maker. You know, they know maybe about the play action. I've talked about that before. It's uh 20 max entry. It's only $3. So that's, a, that's one that's like a super large field. But I feel like people don't know, really know where to go from there. They look at our DraftKings league that is just hopping. That's fun when we open up those, they enter those, but let's kind of talk about some contests that you regularly enter and uh, maybe some people can beat you in it this week. Yeah, on DraftKings, the first thing that I do when I log in is obviously collect my crowns, but second, I try to filter based off of the field size and I've talked about this a lot. I am not the type of person that's going to sit down and enter 150 lineups into a 200,000 entry type of field. That's just not my style. That's not how I roll, but I am looking for those smaller contests. So one that I like a lot on DraftKings, it's 235 entrance, small field. That's that's where I live. 20 bucks to enter, and it's a three max contest. It's called the 4K hard count. I feel like I've had more success in those styles of GPPs, where we talked about this a lot in those smaller fields. You don't have to be perfect and hit each player to be you know the top 10% outcome to make a, a winning lineup. Um, you correlate a lot more, which is what we always preach with stacking and bringbacks and things like that. So I feel way more comfortable in those contests. So you can find me there this weekend. And then as well over on FanDuel, I'll give a shout out to them. We I like a lot of the um, the smaller fields. Again, 47 people, small. Like people don't think of GPPs as 47 people, but it's a single entry. It's called the 1K Small Bomb, 25 bucks to enter. And the payout's pretty nice. It's 300 bucks to first. So again, I like those types of contests. I like the smaller fields. I just have way more success there than I have in these Millie Maker type contests. So I play a little bit more GPP, uh, larger field ones than bets, but I would say for most people, the ones that I have, I have the most success in is when I go into DraftKings, I go to tournaments, and I, the first thing I actually do is I filter by uh, entry size. So single entry or two to three max entry. That's just, those are the easy ones. You can also filter by contest, uh, just like what the fee is. And the ones that I think are really easy in terms of like, it's doable. You could actually place in this as opposed to 200,000. Yeah, there's one that's called the 10K Pylon. 
It's only a $3 single entry, and there are less than 4,000 entrants. So you don't need a perfect lineup with, you know, less than 4,000 people. That one actually, you know, has a okay payout, but it's just fun where you're like, okay, I, I'm almost getting in a large field. Um, so it's about three, three and a half thousand people. There are also contests called hundos where there's a hundred people and there's different price points. So I would encourage you to do a hundo because with those, all you're really looking to do is create a lineup that looks somewhat like a cash lineup. Like it has a very high floor and then maybe tweak like two of those. So those are kind of actually the same tournaments we do in our DraftKings leagues is like, okay, 100 to 200 people. I enter those as if it's my cash lineup and I usually change two things in there. Like I might change one of the running backs that are super popular or I might change the stacking partner. So maybe instead of Keenan Allen, I put in Mike Williams uh, and kind of change that up. So there's hundos and then I'll give you one more if you're like, I need a little bit more rake or a little bit more like payout. That's what I want from this contest. The $12 single entry, there's ones called the fair catch and first prize can either get 25,000 or 10,000. And I know that's not as big as a million dollars, but this is way more doable. And at $12, it's half the millimaker entry fee. So I think the field size is smaller. The payout is still pretty good at the very top. Uh, So those are the ones that I would be interested in, but sort by two or three max. I think that's where you're going to start having some success, differentiate those lineups. So I know you've had success in like two to three max line, uh, contests. Yeah, definitely. And I think the reason that I prefer that, and we've talked about this a lot too, is there's some contests that are 150 max entries and not everyone has the same bankroll. So if you don't have the bankroll to enter 150 lineups, you are playing against people that do. And when you do that, you have, let's say five darts to throw at the board. Everyone else has 150. So it's, it's a complete uh, negative EV move to do that you're, you're basically going up against a lot of other sharp players and people that have the bankroll to go in aggressively in those contests which in three max you know you get to, to take a stand you get to take a stand on uh certain players at their roster percentage different takes that you might have compared to the field and i think it's really easy to get different in those contests where in these large fields you know because of the fact that so many people are playing we tend to see that roster percentage kind of get more spread out where in these small fields it condenses so you can identify spots to attack if you want to fade some of the chalky players we're going to post this in our Discord channel. So if you want to be a part of that at jointhefoot.com, everyone who is a member there gets to interact with us. And for us, it's just easy, easier to show like, hey, these are the contests that I'm in. Like I will show you, these are some of my entry fees. So if you want to be a part of that, go to join the foot. If you want to get the DFS pass, as Betts mentioned this past week, it's cheaper than a cup of coffee for the rest of the year. We go through the playoffs. I got to answer a question from a listener earlier this week. And they said, hey, I just got the DFS pass. How long are you guys going? I was like, okay, think think next year. We're we're going. Like we're going to be a part of that all the way through the Super Bowl. And that's a really fun thing to do. We open up a lot of different contests in that one game. There's lots of uh different ways to do that. So, yeah, go to dfspass.com and you can be a part of that. But let's get into our cash picks. Straight cash, homie. Let me just say it's a, it's been a busy time around here at the Borg house. Lots of things going. My wife was sick earlier this past week. We had Halloween. My brother is getting married. So we have his bachelor weekend. I'm I'm the one that's hosting it in North Carolina. So dude, I, I feel like I just need to simplify my cash picks so I don't go crazy this weekend. <laughs> Probably. And not even to mention celebrating for what, five days in a row with the Braves victory. So yeah, man, wild times over for you for sure. But if you want to be be simple about it, let's just start the conversation with Lamar Jackson. He is my favorite quarterback play on the entire slate. Now, obviously, we need to have the conversation, which we will in a second, about what to do with these cheap guys, whether it's possibly Taysom Hill if he's cleared from protocol or Jordan Love. But when you talk about just you know point per dollar projections and safety in cash games, Lamar Jackson is it. This spot is awesome. He is coming off of the bye week. He gets a Vikings defense that just gave up 300 yards to Cooper Rush on Sunday Night Football this past week. And the first time in the entire season, he might have his entire group of playmakers at his disposal. We know about Mark Andrews. We obviously know about Marquise Brown. Um, and we know about Rashad Bateman, who's been there the last couple of weeks. But Sammy Watkins has also been out. And while Sammy Watkins doesn't move the needle much as a play on his own, he certainly helps Lamar Jackson. So it's a spot to really get excited about for Lamar against 
uh, the Vikings secondary that we've picked on all year. They're also down Patrick Peterson, who's on IR, and Daniel Hunter, their best pass rusher on IR. So this looks like an awesome spot for Lamar Jackson. If you want to pay up for me, he's the guy this week. Um, right now, I do have him in my cash lineup. I'm just not sure how to handle Jordan Love yet, but maybe we can kind of talk through that. With Jordan Love, so 4400 is stupid cheap. And the conversation that you have to have when you have somebody that cheap is you can say to yourself, okay, well, if I just get Jordan Love, then I can pay up at other positions and then then I'm good. But you still need raw points, right? Like let's say Jordan Love 2Xs. Think about from your quarterback, 2X at 4,400 is not even 10 points. Like that is not going to help you when Lamar is going to get over 20. You still need raw points. And I'm more interested in, I mean, because that's almost a punt, right? Like we don't talk about punting quarterback, but a 4,400 is just a straight punt for a player we've never seen take the field and be good. So except from the preseason, I would, <laughs> I, I can't go there in cash. I don't want to put my hard earned money on Jordan love this week. Instead, I'm going to go Lamar. I think Jalen hurts is totally fine at 6.7. You can go back to him in a game that we would think that is going to be competitive against the chargers last week against the lions. You and I had a lot of doubt. Like he was a, he was a popular cash game play, but we had a lot of doubt of like, is that game going to be competitive? And then I would rather go Taysom if I was going to punt because you, you've you seen it before. And if you're going to go Jordan Love for me, I'm going to do it in a tournament because there could be upside. You could have a really weird roster construction with a quarterback at 4,400. And let's say he does hit 20 points. Well, then you're at almost 5Xing right there on his salary. So with Taysom at 5,500, I think you're getting the savings, but I think he has a way higher floor. So for me, it's between Lamar and Taysom this week. Yeah, and I mean, right now, obviously, we don't know who's starting for the Saints. I think we all assume it's going to be Taysom Hill, but I looked Your around the Trev? industry to see. <laughs> oh boy, Trevor Simeon. Yeah, he beat Tom Brady. Therefore, Trevor Simeon greater sign Tom Brady. Um, I, I've looked around the industry, and it kind of seems like people are mixed in terms of what they're projecting. Like some people projecting Taysom Hill, some Trevor Simeon. I'm not sure. I can see a scenario where it's Trevor Simeon because they want to keep Taysom Hill to do his gadget role type of things before. But we've also seen him smash for fantasy, especially when he's been the starter. So, yeah, I'm with you. If he is the starter and we know that for sure, then he's really viable at a salary. He just saves you so much money. I think I'm with you. I think it's between those two guys for me, Taysom Hill and Lamar Jackson. And as of now on a Thursday with recording this before we know who's starting for New Orleans, obviously it's Lamar Jackson. The names we didn't mention on there, I think you can go to Patrick Mahomes. I think it's totally okay because you're going to get him a little cheaper. You can go to Josh Allen if you really want to pay up that much. We'll talk about Allen in a second about stacking that game because they have a massive implied total. And last week it was really scary, but he got to QB1 and that's what you needed in tournaments. So I think a lot of our listeners last week were probably super scared for about two and a half hours. And then they realized at the very end, like, wow, I paid up for the best quarterback on the slate, he hit, and now I'm actually in it. And that, that's why I think some people did well in tournaments is paying up really does matter the quarterback position. At running back, I want to pay up this week. And there's three guys I really, really like. Like, I'm willing to do it. There's actually another that's down a tier that's, I think, even a better value. So between these four guys, this is who I like. Um, Austin Eckler, 7.9, feels just as safe as as you could possibly get at the running back position. His floor has been super high the entire year. Charger Chargers don't run the ball as much as you would want them to, but they're averaging the third highest uh, expected points per rush attempt because Eckler is just a point machine. Like every time he gets the ball, it's awesome. And especially near the goal line, he's getting that work. So I love Austin Eckler at 7.9. Dalvin Cook at 7.8 has a tougher matchup. Like, Baltimore is not the easiest, but this is, to me, it's a buy low opportunity. Dalvin at 7.8 on DraftKings is is way too cheap. On FanDuel, he's 8.8. I think on both sides, you're going to see him, you know, up another $500 in the next week. So get him while he's cheap now. But um, do you have a preference between Eckler and Cook? Well, I just want to point out real quick, his price, uh, I think it's actually written down here incorrectly. It's 7.7 is what I'm seeing on DK, but regardless he's awesome um i think i prefer eckler 
by a hair, just because I think we're more likely to see the Chargers play with a lead in this one against my Eagles. Sad times. Uh, however, the Vikings are six, six and a half point, depending on the book you look at, underdogs. And, you know, that could force them to kind of abandon the run and go with more of a passing approach. So, yeah, I, I do like both these guys. I prefer Eckler. I I think it's a great spot. I mean, Philly's been giving it up, especially to pass catching backs. They're uh, bottom 10 and, and yards allowed to running back reception. So, you know that he's got that floor, too. And I think for that reason, I probably prefer him in this spot compared to Dalvin Cook. But both guys are, are great. And certainly I do want to have some exposure to both these guys, whether it's, you know, across tournaments or uh, in cash games, I think I do prefer Eckler. Zeke is only 7K. I think that's a little bit of a misprice on their part. So 7K at home as a favorite feels like a nine and a half point favorite feels like, man, 15 points, 20 points. That feels pretty safe from Zeke. Uh, he's averaging 99 scrimmage yards per game. So I think between those three running backs, I'm going to have at least one in my lineup. And then I've been able to, with Taysom, jam in another. So uh, Eckler and Zeke or Eckler and Cook, uh, I think are, are great options. And then you like Kamara a lot this week. Yeah, and I'm going to operate under the assumption right now that this is a Trevor Simeon start. If he is starting, I like Kamara a lot more for cash. If he is not and it's Taysom Hill, we've seen Taysom take away from what Eckler can do potentially from a rushing standpoint, especially near the goal line, which you know, there's nothing more frustrating than Taysom Hill coming in to take away Alvin Kamara's touches inside the five-yard line, but certainly that is in play in this matchup if he starts. So if it's Trevor Simeon, I love Alvin Kamara. I mean, he's just getting so much volume. And when you look at the mismatch, the Saints offensive line, the Falcons defensive line, and how they're using Kamara literally as the offense, like who else is there to take away volume from him? I think you're going to see a ton of Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara in this game. Obviously, they're six, six and a half point favorites, depending on the book you look at. They're at home. He checks all the boxes as far as a positive game script is concerned, too. So you love that for Kamara. I think he's my preferred spend up option. Again, operating under the assumption it's Trevor Simeon and not Taysom Hill. The hardest part about that game, not just as a Falcons fan, but that total is so low. I think it's at 42 right now. And I looked over the last two years, Saints and Falcons games have averaged only 37 points per game. Like they're just Woof. just hitting they're hitting the under. And now two of those last year were Taysom games, remember? And yep. he was QB four and QB eight. So if Taysom plays, I feel like Kamara drops down for me in terms of like I don't have the same ceiling. I don't think this game's going to be pushed by any means. So I don't really like that outcome. But I mean, he's Kamara. He's he's as safe as they get. Can I throw out a name that might make you hate me? No, you may not. So Zach Moss, you've heard of him. <laughs> I said no. He's not good at football. No. <laughs> he's not good at football, people. But the opportunity. I mean, we care about opportunity, right? This is this is fantasy football. He's so cheap. He's 5.2 on DraftKings. He's 6K on FanDuel. Look, the Bills are 14-point favorites, and there's going to be points. I don't know if Jacksonville is going to be able to keep up, but they're allowing the highest opponent rush rate when trailing, the highest rush rate inside the 10, and they're giving up the fifth most points per drive. So let's say you got, I don't know, 12 points from Zach Moss at 5.3. How do you feel about that? Fine. Zero emotions. Okay. Just just here I am. <laughs> okay. Nothing, That's nothing cool. excites you about that. I need I just need to give the listeners they they're asking. They they want to know who are the running backs apart from the studs that we mentioned. If you had to drop down, it's Zach Moss for me and maybe Elijah Mitchell. I'm not saying he's in my lineup this week, but when I looked at the list, okay, highest team implied total, favorites by a ton, giving up a ton on the ground, it adds up, right? Sure. <laughs> Man, now everyone's going to put my name with Zach Moss now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, clearly you love this guy. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It makes sense. Like you said, they're going to score four touchdowns. If Allen throws three and they run one in with Zach Moss, he gets there at, at his cheap tag. So I'm not, I'm giving you a hard time. It makes sense. I'm going to tell everyone out there, I'm not doing this personally, but it makes sense if you want to go there. I can see the argument. <laughs> Just listen, I might not do it at all. And if it works out, I want credit. But if it doesn't work out, I don't want That's, my name That was the exact it. thesis behind the Jamal Agnew call last week. <laughs> if it didn't work, don't talk. Never heard of him. Exactly. 
All right, two FanDuel names, uh, Miles Gaskin at 6.1 and Devontae Booker at 6.3. I think both of those you could do. But wide receiver, I like Tyreek. I like paying up for him at 7.9. The news with Jordan Love definitely lowers the sales in our Devontae Adams loves from earlier in the week. Stephon Diggs at 7.7 is great. Amari Cooper is way too cheap at 5.7. And then two other names that are in that 4K range. Your boy Hunter Renfro, you talk about him every week. He is your boy, actually, 4.8. Rashad Bateman at 4K. I think if you needed to go there, those are safer cash type plays. Uh, But give me a couple more names real quick. Yeah, for sure. I I love the guys in the 5K range this week. I mean, down in the low fives, you have Jarvis Landry, who... Who the heck knows what's happening with Odell Beckham? It looks like he's not going to play Sunday. Might not even be on the team by the time this recording comes out. We don't know what's happening there. But Jarvis Landry, we've seen him dominate targets without Odell in the lineup before, obviously, in their time with Cleveland. So he's solid at 5.1K against Cincy. We've picked on Mike Hilton all year in the slot for Cincy, and that's where Jarvis is going to line up. So I like that quite a bit. T. Higgins, we talk about him every week. He's still underpriced because he's not scoring touchdowns. You know, it's Jamar Chase scoring touchdowns. But in his healthy games, he's seeing a 25% target share. So I'm going to keep going back to that at the low five range. Devontae Parker, hello, came back into the lineup last week, led the team in targets, caught eight balls, taking on Houston. Obviously, it's a fantastic matchup for Tua and the passing attack there. And then I'll throw it as well. Kadarius Toney, 5.2K. They've already told us Sterling Shepard is not going to play. Saquon Barkley, as of this recording, is still uh, in the COVID protocol. He needs another negative test to play. Also battling the ankle issue. They're on bye next week, so maybe they just rest him one more week. Kenny Galladay we haven't seen in a month. I mean, who else is catching the football for the Giants? I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Evan Ingram. So give me Kadarius Tony at 5.2K. Just way too cheap. Diggs, once again, is way too cheap on FanDuel at 7.6. He's cheaper there than DraftKings, so he's a smash play. I love Diggs this week. You play him in cash, play him in GPPs. He's set up for success. And then for tight end, there's two punt guys that we both really like. We mentioned Tyler Conklin. And then with news about uh, Noah Fant going on the COVID list, your boy, Albert O. That's right. Albert O seems like a really good... I'm going to try to pronounce this. Ready? Oku Wei Banam. That wasn't bad. I've heard way worse. I, I, but let's it, just go with Albert I O. <laughs> well, I had the pronunciation in front of me. I still didn't do that great. The phonetics. <laughs> I could tell you read it phonetically there that was good yeah dude albert oh this is i mean you don't find tight ends that are almost 260 pounds that run 449 which is what he did so if you want to bet on someone that's kind of a speed score athlete that's going to get what what would you say five to eight targets ceiling obviously eight targets but like five targets from teddy b in a negative game script against dallas at almost the stone min on DraftKings. sign me up you you know i love a punt tight end um, so right now I do have him in my cash lineup. I'll also throw out Dallas Goddard. He just seems way too cheap on both sides. 4.5 on DraftKings is a great value. I don't even mind him at 6.2 on FanDuel, but last week he had a 44% target share and the Chargers ranked 29th against the position, allowing the highest success rate. So I like Dallas Goddard. If you wanted to jump up a little bit, I mean, 4.5 is just not even close. So in terms of points per dollar, he's one of the dudes if you didn't want to absolutely punt. And then always, it, this just stays in our dock, doesn't it? Darren Waller on FanDuel doesn't make sense. Nope, not going to change it. Never delete it. The only thing we change is the price when it goes up or down by like 100 bucks <laughs> and the matchup. Yeah, I mean, obviously no Henry Ruggs with that horrible situation. Like this just feels like the game for Darren Waller to kind of get right. We haven't seen a Darren Waller game since week one, and this could really be the spot. So I love Darren Waller this week. And on DST, with the news of Jordan Love, I feel like the Chiefs at 2,300 are going to be, they're going to be popular, and I get it. They're not a good defense. They are at home. Um, but apart from Aaron Rodgers, like you still have to deal with Aaron Jones, still have to deal with Devontae Adams. They're a, they're a punt play. That's it. We're not telling you anything about their defense being a good play. And then in the same game, I don't mind if you did the Raiders at 2.9 or the Giants at 2.7. I think you can go back and forth there. The Panthers a little bit further down. The Browns at 2.5. Those are all cash viable plays. I'm I'm not really looking to go above 3,000 though. Yeah, I think there's some solid GPP plays this week if you did want to get up to to those names, which are in the DFS pass for us. But yeah, in cash games, I'm with you. It's, it's these three teams. I think right now I'm just going to punt it off with Kansas City. Like you said, they're just so cheap. But just understand, if you are playing tournaments this weekend, 
they are going to be the most popular defense. And we always tell you guys, when we have a chalky popular defense, we know the scoring is difficult to predict. So more often than not, you want to fade that defense. So in tournaments, no thank you. But in cash games, I'm in. Now, last week, my my dart throw defense was the Saints, which was like at like less than 2%. They had a defensive touchdown at the end. I think they ended up getting 15 points. But like that's what you want. You want a team that's so low rostered that nobody else is going to have them if you're going to win a tournament. So let's talk about some stacks we like. Stack attack. All right. For this first game that we are going to profile, we're going to highlight... I don't I don't know why we keep talking about the Eagles bets, um, but they're a three-win team now. How do you feel about that? Uh, mildly disappointed. I mean, I, just give us the, the, the top five pick. That's what we want. We want the Dolphins pick. We want our pick. We want Carson Wentz to keep playing. Just, just We're in rebuild mode, so every time we win, I kind of feel torn because I'm like, oh, that's that's fun. Eagles win. But then I remember that it means literally nothing for the season. You're getting a little greedy. Like you, you have three f- top fifteen picks, right? It's I think as like of that. this week, it's like top twelve. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so we like these teams in terms of stackability because the Chargers play at an insane rate. The Eagles play from behind a ton, and when they do, their pass rate just spikes. So I want the Eagles in this game to basically say, "I'm done with the run." And th- we've seen games like that with Jalen Hurts, where they th- run the ball like what eight times and. And then it's basically just on him to just to throw, throw, throw. I don't love their options apart from Dallas Goddard. And even Devonta Smith hasn't been as good. Uh, Quez Watkins is a really fun, like shoot for the moon play. I've tried to shoot for that moon twice this year and it didn't really work, but still fun. I think you can still go there. It's more of saying on the Chargers side where it's a little bit more expensive with Eckler and Herbert and Keenan Allen and big Mike Willie. How do you want to do that? So how would you stack the Chargers side? Yeah, this is sort of an interesting spot for those guys over the middle of the field. So we talked about Austin Eckler, you know, Philly giving up the seventh most receiving yards to running backs. So we love Eckler this week. They're also giving up the sixth most fantasy points. So it's a great spot for him. But if you went like Herbert Eckler, I don't even mind stacking those two together and then going with someone like a Keenan Allen or a Jared Cook. I'm not super interested in in Mike Williams in this game, obviously he's had the ceiling, but his targets have come way down over the last, you know, four-ish games of the year. And this Philly defense is strongest in the perimeter. They are extremely weak over the middle of the field. Poor linebacker play, poor safety play. So you could see Keenan Allen rack up a ton of volume across the middle of the field. And I'll throw out too with Jared Cook. I'm not playing him in any situation as a one-off play, but if I am playing Herbert Stacks, Jared Cook is really intriguing. Philly is just getting destroyed. Uh, against tight ends last three to face them are you ready for these stat lines kyle oj howard back from the dead 649 and one foster moreau the week darren waller was out 660 and one and then last week tj hawkinson went bananas 10 for 89 so they're giving up the tight ends i think if you want to stack him with herbert uh it's a really interesting play this week i and i love that play as leverage off of goddard who is going to be a pretty popular play um here's the thing about herbert the thing that's changed this year is that the deep balls just haven't been connecting and Mike Williams is running so many more like shallower routes. And like his eight out this year is only 11.9. It used to be above like 16. So you're getting these shorter routes. You're not getting the same splash plays. I think Herbert's had three games this year that he just, that he's done, done really well for DFS. And other than that, it's actually like bombed. So I I wish I saw more like a, aggressiveness like we did last year he had 12 deep passing touchdowns last year like I want that and I think that can happen so for a GPP ceiling like when he did it with the Browns a couple weeks ago remember when they had that back and forth game it's because he was actually taking shots and passing at a rate so we need the Eagles to stay with this game like to actually keep it close and not blow them out but yeah I think Herbert Eckler and then Cook or Herbert Eckler Allen and find somebody on the other side. Like this is a game I would game stack because I think the Eagles have cheap enough pieces. Like, I mean, Boston Scott, I'm not going to really use in a tournament, but Devonta Smith, Quez Watkins, Dallas Goddard. I think one of those guys, you can do it. Hertz is going to be more popular. So that's probably why I won't use Hertz and GPPs as much. Um, and if you are, you'd only skinny stack him, right? You just do Hertz and I don't know, maybe Goddard. So, 
Um, yeah, for sure. Because even in his bad game last week, he still what did he, he was like seven for seventy one on the ground. Even in his his bad quote unquote right. bad fantasy game. So yeah, I mean if he gets there, it's on rushing and then one pass catcher. So I'm with you in that. It's just I find it really difficult on the the Philly side of the ball because the Chargers it sets up so well for them to run the ball and Philly's offensive line is pretty decent at run blocking. The Chargers are one of the big, biggest run funnels in the league. But like, who do you play? Like, I'm I literally can't click the button on Jordan Howard. No, thank you. I can't click the button on Boston Scott and Kenny Gamewell is more reserved for when they're trailing. So it's really tricky. Do you think any of those guys are in play this week? Those three running backs? Gainwell is the one I want to be in play because of his pass catching profile. But if he's not going to be used that way, I just can't go there. There's there's such thin plays in GPPs. I, I mean, you saw Boston Scott's ceiling last week, two rushing touchdowns. And yes, he got 17, 18 points, but like that's not going to win me a GPP this week when he's way more popular. I mean, nobody played him last week, really. So, right. And his price uh, came up. Uh, right. So that's not really where I want to go. I didn't mention the line earlier. It has a 50 total, and the Chargers are two-point favorites. So give me your Vegas pick. Yeah, I'll take the Chargers here. I think this is the spot where they get back on track. You know I'm in down with the Chargers. So Always. let's do that. Chargers minus two. Next one is Battle of Purple Supremacy. It is Minnesota Vikings at the Baltimore Ravens. This game also has a 50-point total. The Ravens coming off a bye are six-and-a-half-point home favorites, and they carry a team-implied total of over 28. So that's why we like the Ravens this week. That's why we like Lamar Jackson. He's on pace for career highs and dropbacks, pass attempts, yards, yards per attempt. I mean, this team has morphed into a passing team, like, just middle of the road, but way, way light years ahead of where they used to be, where we were begging them, like, can we have any volume at all? And I would say it's the same thing with the Vikings. Like, they haven't been only ground and pound. Kirk Cousins leads the league in completion percentage in those intermediate areas of the field. Like, he's just killing it. I looked this stat up today. He's 30th in terms of total attempts in that area of the field, but he's sixth in completions. So he's just, like, slaying over. I think he has an 82% completion rate in the area of 11 to 19. So I love Jefferson. I love Thielen. I think you can go there, but are they more tournament plays this week? I think for me, those guys are both in play for sure in tournaments. I do think Dalvin cook is somewhat popular this week. So they're awesome as leverage. And you know, this Baltimore Ravens defense, like they've kind of been up and down and some weeks they look awesome. Like when they held the chargers to what, seven points or whatever that was. And then the following game, Jamar Chase is going for 200 yards against them. So they've just been up and down all year, and they've been really beatable. We've seen wide receiver ones crush. Our boy Pity City went off against them too. So I think one of these two guys is going to have a really solid game. I can't tell you which one it is, <laughs> which is tricky. And it really does set up well for GPPs because, again, we talk about it. Whenever there's a spot that people see and they're like, I'm not sure which guy it's going to be. I'll just stay away. That's a spot to attack. So I definitely want some of these guys in my lineups. I don't think I'll play them together as a full game stack, but I certainly will play some, uh, you know, Thielen as a bring back on Lamar stacks and Justin Jefferson as a bring back on Lamar stacks for sure. Definitely in on that. Yeah, I like the Minnesota receivers because I think the way that people will stack this game is they'll see Lamar, they'll see that he's one of the best points per dollar plays and they'll go Lamar Andrews or they'll go Lamar and Hollywood and then bring it back with Dalvin on the other side. Like that's probably going to be it because... We mentioned earlier, like Dalvin's cheap. It's it's attractive to see that this week and and go there. If you're going to punt it tight end or punt somewhere else, like you have some savings to use there. But I think if you went Cousins and then picked one of the receivers and even double stacked it with Conklin and brought it back with Hollywood on the other side, that's my favorite way to stack this game to get different. But I mean, Lamar, I can't argue against anybody playing a ton of GPPs with Lamar. Like I'll be doing that. But I think Cousins, when he's pushed, he's in a good spot. He also knows how to let everyone down, but I just, when Kirk cousins comes through for a GPP, uh, this is one of the spots where he had a down week. I'd rather, uh, go back to him this week. So, uh, Hollywood's great at six K. I, I just want to say that be really clear. Hollywood and a GPP, uh, give that to me, but any other takes on this one? Uh, no, I think we hit on it all. I, I I'm with you. I love Hollywood. Mark Andrews is essentially operating as a wide receiver and he's stupid cheap on DraftKings 5.5k. So I like it. I'm I'm definitely with you on those calls. Did we talk about Tyler Conklin at all? Baltimore's just giving it up to fantasy tight ends left and right. Uh, I we mentioned him as a punt play, but he's actually totally fine in a tournament. Like he's running enough routes where 
Tyler Conklin can get 15 points this week. It's not just like you're asking for eight. Like he can catch a touchdown, go five for 60, and and you're good to go. So uh, yeah, I like Conklin. Andrews actually doesn't have the best matchup, but he's just so good. And at 5.5, he's cheap. But give me your Vegas pick. I'm scared to say this out loud. I'm going to take the Vikings with the points. They have played so many one-score games. I think they can keep it close enough just to let us let us down again and give some heartbreak. So I'll take the Vikings plus six. I can't trust the Vikings after what they did to us this past week. I will take the over, but that is a tempting line. I think that's that's totally fair. The, I mean, the Vikings could win this one outright. Like I, I don't think you're crazy if you wanted to take Vikings money line, but uh, they're they're unlu- they've been unlucky this year. I think in terms they could of- be seven and zero, like legitimately. They will be one of those teams when we talk about forecasting in the offseason that will kind of look at their season and go like, okay, their wins, they've been so many wins below expectation. And it's frustrating if you bought into the Vikings passing game in, in best ball or redraft or whatever it is. But next game is one that it's my sneaky, sneaky game of the week. Sneaky, sneaky. It's uh, Mr. Deed style. Uh, Denver Broncos at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are nine point home favorites this game. As a 49 and a half point total, these teams are so different. So th- I feel like this game can only really get there if Dallas gets out to a big lead, which we love. Like we actually project that Vegas projects that, but Dallas is fourth in pace and Denver is dead last in neutral situation. So if Denver gets the ball, they're just going to be sitting on the lead with Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. But when, when Denver's trailing, their pass rate spikes to 73%, the 10th highest in the NFL. So Teddy Bridgewater, not the best quarterback in the world. Great guy. You want him part of your locker room? You know, I wish he was Big part of this podcast. Guy. Yeah, no, I, I would love to do be, him be a part of this group. But we need him pushed. And at 5,300, he's cheap enough. If you went Teddy and maybe two options here, Alberto, and maybe you pick one of the receivers, you could bring him back with Zeke. And I think this could actually get there. And then you could pay up at other spots. But the Dallas side is clearly the juiciest. Um, where do you want to go there? Yeah, let's let's talk more about Zeke because I think he's my favorite play on the entire slate, whether it's cash games or GPPs. He looks awesome this week. 7K is stupid cheap for Zeke, who is still getting volume. And remember early in the year, everyone was worried about Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard has done nothing recently. It's been the, the Zeke show. And they're at home. You know, that's where you see Zeke just feast. Nine point favorites. It sets up perfectly. I mean, Denver side, obviously, they just traded Von Miller. They've been without Bradley Chubb for a while. They're down two starting linebackers. Like their front seven is decimated. Dallas ranks first in adjusted line yards. They're going to dominate in this game. I love Ezekiel Elliott for sure. Just know in GPPs, he is going to be very popular. So you might need to kind of think about what you're doing in the rest of your lineup if you want to go there. But there's nothing negative to say about Zeke in this matchup. I think he's my favorite play on the entire slate. Yeah, 7K is is just is not not enough for what he possesses as a floor, like as a floor play. And then let's say he gets two touchdowns. You're you're feeling it. Um, CeeDee Lamb, he wants the ball. And Amari Cooper said, nah, I'll, I'll take it. Um, he did an- injure his ankle the other day in practice. So um, do you have a preference on those two receivers or is it just the field says Cooper because he's 5.7? I mean, are you just going to stay with that? Yeah, Cooper's price is just so intriguing, especially in cash, that I think it's fine. I think CD Lamb, we don't have any news on the ankle. We're recording this like an hour after we got the news that he was injured in practice, so we're not sure on severity, but let's assume he's full go. If he is, I think CD Lamb is really interesting in a GPP, almost to pay up just to get leverage on Cooper. And the reason that I like him quite a bit, other than the fact that he's just a baller, he's awesome, with Dak coming back is Denver is also down their slot corner, which is where CeeDee Lamb should see the majority of his snaps. So I love it for CeeDee Lamb in a GPP, but we just need to assume, of course, his ankle is fully healthy, um, which we'll have more updates on the Injury Blitz pod, which comes out Friday evenings. You put this in the doc, but the Dallas defense is a good play, like across the board. If you did Zeke and Dallas Cowboys defense, I think I think you could actually do well in a tournament. They're 3,900 on FanDuel. And Dallas is actually seeing the highest pass rate in the NFL because they're shutting down opposing running games. So if you get Teddy Bridgewater throwing the ball 40 times, there's going to be turnover. So Dallas defense is uh, is set up and Teddy, we love him. Great guy, takes sacks, right? Like he's one of those friends you're like, man, great guy. Love having him part of the group. Not very good at what he does. 
<laughs> oh, poor Tuddy. He's also down his left tackle too, which is uh, which is which is tough going on you the need, road for Denver. You need a left tackle, apparently. That's what they say. Allegedly, these days. Yeah, he's taken 11, 11 sacks in the last three weeks. So I love the the Cowboys as a tournament defense this week. He'd mow your lawn. He would show up like when you need him to. He'd get you coffee. De- dependable guy, like you know, doesn't really have good jokes. That's okay. It's okay. You need you need friends like that sometimes. So uh, give me your Vegas pick. Sorry, Teddy. We love you. Uh, give me Dallas. I will lay the nine points. Give me Dallas minus nine. And a lot of the Dallas hype that was over the off season, it's not playing out the same way about their passing volume, but man, Dallas winning the NFC East, Dallas being the highest scoring team, Dak, uh, comeback player of the year. Feel really good about those, uh, sitting, sitting pretty well at this point, but last game, we'll go through this one pretty quick. Cause there's really not much to say on one of the sides, but it's worth talking about. It's the Buffalo Bills at the Jacksonville Jaguars and your boy, Urban Meyer. You thought I was going to say Jamal Agnew. Uh, it is uh, It is instead your boy, Urban Meyer. Bills are 14 and a half point road favorites. That is a pretty rare thing. The over-under is 48 and a half. And I looked this up. I was, I was doing my search in my spreadsheet life. The Bills have been double-digit favorites three times in the past year. So basically since the Bills have been awesome with Josh Allen over the last year. All three of those games hit the under, but not because of the Bills, but because the teams they were playing scored 10, 0, and 11 points in those three games. So what does that tell you about stacking this game? It tells you that this is not the week to play Jamal Agnew, I I think. Um, It it basically tells us that we have zero confidence in Urban Meyer and the Jaguars to actually push Josh Allen or to be worthy of a bring back. I'm going to say this. Right now, I'm not playing a Jaguar this week. It doesn't matter if it's FanDuel. doesn't matter if it's DraftKings. Josh Allen doesn't need Trevor Lawrence to push him to be good. He has, They have a 31.5 point total. They're going to win this game. It's just a matter of by how much. Because like Jacksonville, dude, no matter how you slice it, bad against the run, bad against the pass, they're bad on offense. They're just a bad team. And I think people get stuck in this way of thinking of like, I have to bring it back every week. This is a game that I don't think you do. So I love Josh Allen double stacks and then just move on and get away from this game. I don't know if you feel differently about like any reception volume on Jacksonville's side, but I just coming out of the bye week, going up against the Seahawks, I thought maybe we could see some sort of creativity in the game plan and in the usage, and it was just atrocious. So I have zero interest in uh, Jamal Agnew this week. However, he remains a part of my heart always. Wow. Well, there's another player that's been more a part of my heart a lot longer than you and Jamal's little fling, and that's Marv. And I'll just say this. The only way I would play Marvin Jones is in a super large field because his roster percentage is just going to be way down there. You at least know that he can blow up. And and if you're going to game stack this, I would do it. There's no chance I'm playing Carlos Hyde. Uh, Dan Arnold is still cheap, and they keep throwing him the ball. So you could do that. You could do worse. I just don't, I can't see Dan Arnold hitting 20 plus points. And last week, the thing that was most different is that the tight end one on the slate was TJ Hawkinson. Like TJ Hawkinson in half point league scored 13 points. So like there wasn't massive scores last week. This week we have Kelsey and Andrews back in the mix where I think we're going to get some higher scores. So in a GPP, you can't really play those guys yet. Apparently Urban hates LaVisca, but Josh, Josh Allen if you want to pay up against maybe the worst pass defense in terms of DVOA, you could with Josh Allen, but you need a Josh Allen and dig stack. You know, you need 65 points. Do you think they can get there? I mean, we've seen it. Obviously, we've seen it in the last year, but this is a different usage and role with Stefan Diggs. I still am waiting for the Stefan Diggs game to happen. And obviously, if you had to handpick a matchup for it to happen, this is the one. So it is expensive. It is likely to be underutilized as a stack by the field. But because of that, I think it's interesting in a tournament. But that said, you know, this is not the same Stefan Diggs just role in general that we've seen last year. And it's because Emmanuel Sanders is kind of filling the John Brown role and really winning downfield a lot. So yeah, I think he's fine. I think he's a good play. I just, you know, certainly question like what. What does he have to do to pay off the salary? And that's the only real negative thing to say about him. Yeah. So 
in terms of double stacking, would you do you prefer Sanders or Beasley or your boy Tommy Sweeney? Never Tommy. Um, I like both these guys. I wrote them both up in the DFS pass, Sanders and Beasley. I think you can play them both together as a double stack as leverage off Diggs, who is certainly going to be more popular. But for Beasley specifically, I do like him. He's 5.4K on DraftKings, seen 22 targets over the last two weeks. The last couple of weeks, slot man against the Jacksonville Jaguars have absolutely shredded. Tyler Lockett with Geno Smith out of nowhere, 12 receptions, 142 yards. Jalen Waddle a couple weeks ago, 10 catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns. So if you're going to pick one, I think it's probably Beasley, but I certainly still like Sanders and his average up the target winning downfield. Now, I need to toot, toot our horn a little bit because listeners were on to Tyler Lockett. He was in our wide receiver cornerback matchups because we saw how bad Trey Herndon, their slot corner was. So we'll pick on him again. That's kind of the thing that you and I do. We pick on slot corners. We pick on other teams. Just bullies. We are just, here's the thing. In that DraftKings lobby, Betts is a bully. He's just <laughs> pushing people around. When he sets up in those cash, those head-to-heads, just bullying people. Dollar here. Give me that dollar eighty. You can take your 20 cents, DraftKings. I'm just bullying people left and right. Nothing says high roller like a $1 head-to-head. Let me tell you what. You gotta you gotta mix those in, people. By the way, like you can, we've said before with head to heads, you need to be able to start your own contest, limit the number of people that can play you. But yeah, for a dollar contest, you know, let's say I'll do twenty of those, all right, and just say here's twenty dollars spread out between twenty different people, and the payout's not great, a dollar eighty, but you know, you give DraftKings their tip and you move on. So don't don't feel bad about that. But uh, bills. The line is minus 14 and a half. I feel like they cover, so I'll take the Bills. I've already bet it. Give me the Bills. Oh, wow. All right. All right, let's battle it out. DFS Battle Royale. I'm sensing a trend for the last month, all right? This part of my job is to sense sense different, you know, statistical trends. This is really comes down to who's in the dock first. Last week... <laughs> I had some good plays, but it was like you had the better plays because you were in there first. So in the future, I need to set a note, which is crazy because I create the doc. I literally create it and send it to you. And you still I was going to say you have zero excuses, my friend. (laughs) All right. Betts is up 21 to 14 or a battle royale. And this is a quick chance to challenge each other, but give you some contrarian plays or give you some names that maybe we didn't talk about. So give me a stacking QB that's under 6K that you would play in a tournament. Yeah, how about Tua? 5.8K on DraftKings taking on the Houston Texans. I don't think you guys need me to tell you anything about the matchup. It is awesome. And Tua has struggled a little bit this year, but it's mostly been against tough matchups. He's succeeded really well against bad defenses, and that's exactly what Texans are. He gets Devontae Parker back. Kasiki's making plays. And, of course, Jalen Waddle reliable out of the slot as well. So give me Tua Tungavailoa against the Texans. I mixed it up here. I'm going with Baker Mayfield. You've heard of him? Yeah, he's a quarterback in the NFL, and that's all that, that matters guy? to me. Yes. Have you also seen the preview for Tiger King 2 on Netflix? Have you seen this? <laughs> Is because, that actually a real thing? I've only seen the, yeah. the first Tiger King. Well, they're, they're, they're going to come out with the second one, and they released the trailer for it, but I feel like they should rename it because Baker Mayfield has been a Bengal killer, a Tiger killer in his own life. I know, it's bad. But listen to this. Baker Mayfield's played the Bengals six times in his career. He's 5-1 and one, and Baker Mayfield in those games has averaged 255 passing yards. And here's the kicker, 2.8 passing touchdowns per game. Like once you get to that sample size for a player playing someone, you can at least go 2.8 per game is pretty hot. So Baker that? Mayfield. Hold up, Beckham Sr. Take that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> take that. And whoever he's going to throw to, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Like, oh. But Baker I has, can't wait Baker for has, Baker to have a career game without Odell in the lineup and then see what his dad is putting up on Instagram. All right. That seals it for me. I am playing Baker Landry, and then I'm going to at least have one more person. I don't know if it's Hooper and Joku or somebody else. I'm going to double stack Baker this week and bring it back on the other side with like Jamar chase, because that narrative wrote itself. It sounded really good to me. Might as well in a large field, Baker Mayfield 5.4. All right. Give me a running back. But this week. All right. So there's no Darrell Henderson. We always talk about you can't name Kamara, Eckler, Cook, or Zeke. Those are our favorite cash game running backs. So uh, give me another name. 
Yeah, that takes everyone out of contention here. So <laughs> I will go with Daryl Williams, who I know you brought up on the Tuesday show, and I kind of said, eh, I don't know. But then I thought about it, and now we have the news with Jordan Love starting. It's very easy to see the Chiefs get into a positive game script here. I think the last time I looked, they were seven and a half or eight point favorites at home. You can run on Green Bay. And I know Derek Gore, uh, Frank Gore's grandson or great grandson, <laughs> stole the show on the, the island game, but it's a little bit misleading. Daryl Williams still saw 18 opportunities in that game. And if he's going to get 18 opportunities at 5.7K, I think he's very viable this week. One of the major successes of my job is that there are names that are kind of getting into the mainstream of what we talk about. So now we don't we don't call him Daryl Williams anymore. He's Daryl Willie. We don't call him Jamal Williams anymore. He's Jay Willie. And Mike Williams is big Mike Willie. So at this point, I feel really good. And I, and I look back at our podcast. I mean, Pity City, Pity City is now on the main podcast. I mean, we were talking about that in what, like May? So it, we were on it before it was cool. Before, before, I mean, before the town was even founded, uh, Mike and I talked about it a lot over the summer and we went back and forth like, should he be the dude for us? But it's like Carson Wentz scared us off. He just did it. Oh, I'm supposed to give a running back. Um, <laughs> my cash game running back, if he's healthy, is Elijah Mitchell, 5.8. He smashed this past week, loved him as a play. A lot of listeners, you played him this past week at home against the Cardinals who are kind of banged up. Uh, if he's healthy, I think you can play him in cash at 5.8. He's he's one of the better points per dollar plays right now in our projections. But cheap wide receiver, this is the most typical bets thing I've ever seen under 5K. Whenever I have a chance to talk about Hunter Renfro, you better believe I'm going to do it. Yes, give me Hunter Renfro, 4.8K. We talked about it. No Henry Ruggs. He, even before that situation, he was still getting six plus targets every game except for one this year. Very, very quietly holding down a 20% target share. Yes, Hunter Renfro, 20% target share. Give me that all day in this matchup against Darnay Holmes for the Giants, who is someone that I think is not very good at football. So yes, give me Hunter Renfro. I think he's very viable in full PPR. I know Darnay very well from my cornerback matchups article. I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman. Two weeks in a row, six targets in each game. Still only 4K, so he's really cheap against Minnesota. If you wanted to do Lamar and you wanted to stack Bateman in cash, I think that's doable with his price. I think just against Minnesota cornerbacks, like they're seeing one of the highest target shares in the league. So I think you can see that with six targets once again. And let's say he turns that into four for 60. You feel really good. So uh, give me a punt tight end. And these are the two guys this week. I was going to say there is no other option. So I'll take Alberto. We just talked about him. So if you missed it, rewind uh, 20 minutes. I'm assuming you think my pick, Tyler Conklin, has a higher ceiling, though. Yeah, probably. Better offense in general. Yeah, I just, I think he's running an insane amount of routes, fifth most at his position. So Tyler Conklin, I like. And then sneaky DST under 3K. I'm going to say the Niners, who are at home. I know it's the Cardinals, so the matchup's not going to look good when you log in. But if Kyler's banged up, if Hopkins, who still didn't practice on Thursday... I think that the Niners at 2.8 are are uh, sneaky good for a tournament. I like it. And I'm not going to say that Kyler Murray, it's not a question of if he's going to be banged up. He's going to be banged up. He's going to be played less than 100%. So I like that call quite a bit. And I will throw out uh, the Bengals, who I don't think a lot of people are talking about this week on defense. And yes, Michael White just threw for 400 yards against them. However, before that, they were really putting pressure on quarterbacks. And we've seen Baker Mayfield, even though I know he's been the Tiger King recently. Um, he has just crumbled under pressure this year. They are going to be without Jack Conklin starting tackle. So I like that as a spot where, you know, with Odell news and things just kind of falling apart on the offensive line a little bit, it's a spot where you could see Baker crumble. So give me the Bengals defense. All right, let's hop into the mailbag. Mailbag. You can send in your questions to me at Kyle underscore Borg at bets at the fantasy PT on Twitter and in our Discord channel. It's way easier to do that. It's really hard if you send lineup screenshots. Is this good for GPPs? I might just say yes because I, you know anybody can do that and there are so many variations. So I apologize if you have sent questions recently that says, is this good for a GPP? Sure. I, I mean, we're all shooting our shots. Um, not trying to be rude. 
All right, this first one comes in from Brian. When building 20 lineups, should I limit my QB pool to four or five or expand it even more? I currently choose five stacks I like and go from there. And for me, like when I play in the play action, it's $3 entry, 20 max. This is like really good question for that. So I'll let you answer first and then I'll, I'll go into it. Yeah, I think in general, I try to limit my player pool at quarterback, especially most weeks, more often than not. And it's not because there aren't guys that can have a solid game, but there usually is only, what would you say, a max of like five, maybe six quarterbacks that you could see finishes the QB one on a slate. And when you're talking GPPs, to be honest, not much else matters. So you could play, I don't know, Jordan Love this week. And he could go for 14 drafting points, but who cares? Because Lamar Jackson went for 25 or Josh Allen went for 35, right? So it's all about rel- relative expectation in terms of what you're looking for. So for that reason, I try to condense my pool to those guys that I think have a ceiling like that. And most weeks, it kind of fits that four to six quarterback range. I usually would, I might limit it and say, I'm going to pick in 20 entries, maybe go with three. Say like, okay, in this in this one, I'm going to pick three quarterbacks. I'm going to go this week. Mahomes, I'm going to go Lamar, and then I might pick a contrarian one. I might pick, you know, Teddy Bridgewater or something and say, I'm going to stack that in a couple of different ways. So in 20 lineups, you can do each of those, uh, you know, at least six or seven times and figure it out from there. When you start getting to five, you're really limiting yourself in terms of what you're doing. I mean, you have four combinations of each. You probably need more than that if I'm honest with, with five different ones. So for me, 20 entry, give me, give me three guys and then go from there, but maybe pick a different tournament and say, I'm going to use these other stacks. If you like them uh, in a different tournament, this next one's from Josh Siegel at legal by Siegel. And this one stood out to me because this guy, Josh Siegel follows me on the Peloton, which uh, you're about to join that life bets. So yeah, if you want to follow me on Peloton at Kyle underscore Borg, I, uh, I don't, I don't hate it. He says, why shouldn't we late swap to, quote, not chalk if we're losing in the early games and shooting to get back to the cash line with leverage plays? This is something I wrote up this past week in my cash lineup review article. Late swapping is useful when there's chalk on the board that you don't have. Does that make sense? You're more you're more looking at the slate in the afternoon and say, who can hurt me? And in my cash lineup, I kind of showed like, here were the roster percentages going into the afternoon in some of these really, really big, um, really massive field cash lineups. And so you have to ask yourself, like, who could hurt me? That's like the biggest question that that you need to. But any, any thoughts on late swap? No, I think the I would just point people back to your article that you wrote up. It's your cash lineup review from this past week that came out on Monday. It is a free article. So check it out. But yeah, in in regards to late swap, like you said, you're trying to figure out who in the late window that you don't have can bury you and trying to pivot from there to find guys with a similar ceiling to help you kind of get back into it. In GPPs, I think late swapping is is very much in play even when you're kind of on track. So let's say your contrarian pieces hit early. You shouldn't necessarily, because you're already at that point at the top of the leaderboard, you shouldn't necessarily swap to less popular plays in the late window just to swap. You should probably swap onto the more chalky plays because at that point, you're already ahead of the field. So it's almost like you're playing defense at that point. So it's just a difference in terms of where you're at, how your early guys did, and what uh, contest you're playing in. So next one's from at Bobby Peril. Optimizers seem to be all the rage these days. All the cool kids are doing it. And now that I have access to one through the DFS pass, I added in that cool kids bit. Um, shout out to the midseason discount, by the way, he said. There's that sweet midseason discount if people want the DFS pass. Uh, yes. And what's the, the best code, way to use the... I, go D, for it. The code is DFS pod, so please use it. Yes. I mean, we're trying to just help you save money so that you can enter it into more contests. Come on. Uh, how can we use this optimizer the best way? So let me just, let me explain something about optimizers. You can use it to build out 150 lineups, which is fun. And it's cool to be able to say, I built 150 lineups. Optimizers really sort based on projected points. So the the reason that I like optimizers is I go in on a Wednesday and I click the button, show me 10 lineups. 
And it's showing me already who's the optimal lineup for the week. So, you know, this week, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Hunter Renfro, like those kind of names are going to pop up, but they're going to pop up based on who's a value at their salary. Albert O is going to show up in a lot of optimals. So optimizers are first just saying, show me the projected points and salaries, and then let me fit everyone in. So for instance, if you go into our optimizer on the site and you look at wide receivers, okay, I'm going to give you three wide receivers that all are projected for basically the same points. Okay. Mike Williams, Hollywood Brown, and Adam Thielen. Okay. So all of those three, we would say have pretty good upside, but one of those is going to be forced into an optimizer and that's Hollywood Brown because his salary is only 6k. So realize that in an optimizer it's going to force in players that are even better values unless you kind of switch it up. But uh do you have any takes about optimizers? I know you don't use them a ton, but um any any just takes on on what they're really used for? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a misconception in terms of what an optimizer is. I think people oftentimes assume and it's part of it's like the industry's fault. They just market it as like we have an optimizer, use it, you're going to do well. It doesn't work like that. If you just optimize your lineups and just click click the button and then upload them onto DraftKings, people assume I'll just I'll just print money. It does not work like that. You need to be willing to spend time, get to know your optimizer, spend time with your optimizer, figure out how to set rules to include, you know, certain guys in stacks that you like. You can force a bring back in stacks that you like. So you have to kind of make the optimizer do what you want rather than just logging in, taking 10 seconds to optimize and click upload. Because again, there's way more nuance to it. So I would just encourage people that are new to it, spend time, practice, see what kind of you like about it and how you can kind of tweak the rules to make it do exactly what you want to do. Because again, it's not just a click the button and print money type of thing. Yeah, I will say something you can do is if you tell the optimizer to build 10 lineups for you, you see the projections, use those for smaller tournaments. Like use those in 100 person tourneys if you want and take, look at those lineups, take one of those and say, okay, I'm going to take this optimal lineup that the optimizer built and I'm going to tweak one player. Last week, I did that with Michael Carter, where I was like, I don't really love Michael Carter this week. And I think the field's not going to like him, but I see the opportunity uh, where I played him and Higgins as like a correlation instead of Mixon. And it worked out really well because in that 100 person thing, nobody else had Michael Carter. So that's what it's better for me is to build the optimal lineup and then switch it out when you need to. All right, let's hit, let's hit one more question. This one's from Cloaked Mistborn on Discord. For running QBs, is it preferable to skinny stack them in a GPP or not stack them at all? I think for running quarterbacks, it's probably a situation where you have to stack. Um, there's not a lot. I can think of like maybe Taysom Hill this week would be fine to play naked in a tournament. But we're not seeing these guys hit their top you know, 5% outcomes without some passing volume as well and passing touchdown or two. So like when Jalen Hurts gets there, he's still throwing one or two touchdowns. And when Kyler Murray gets there, he's still throwing two or three touchdowns. Josh Allen, same story. So I think that there aren't as many guys that I'd be willing to play naked in a, in a GPP. I think Taysom Hill this weekend is one guy, but outside of that, I probably would at least stack one. Yeah, Taysom last year was actually a million-making winning. He was in on the lineup, and someone played him without a pass catcher because he just nerfed the whole offense. Like, who are you going to play other than Kamara? Like, are you going to play your boy Marquez Callaway, Adam Troutman? Like, there's you can't really stack him. It's not a good game environment. So in cash, it's fine. With Hertz, Hertz is one of those players that has multi-touchdown upside. Like he has the rushing, but you can also see two touchdowns through the air and one of those goes to Goddard. So I prefer a skinny stack with those players in GPPs. And in cash, I would rather just play them by themselves unless there's an extreme value. Remember back in week one, we played Devonta Smith because he was just a crazy value as a rookie and we played Hertz and, and it looked good. So um, yeah, rushing quarterbacks are interesting because on DK, they're probably not gonna hit a bonus right? They're not going to probably hit the 300 yard bonus. They're not going to probably hit the hundred yard rushing bonus. They're kind of in this weird middle ground. So I, I prioritize them on FanDuel where I feel like I can get the value and everybody's kind of lumped together in terms of salary. If you want to go to ballersdfs.com, you can be a part of our DraftKings listener league, fantasy footballers, DFS, Borg plus bets, 
We will open up some more smaller contests like the Battle of the Bets this past week that Bets and I both took down. Um, and because we were being bullies, just being real mean kids in the lobby. Hey, come play with us and let us take your money. Um, <laughs> which means this next The worst week, kind of bully. <laughs> those are the those are the mean ones. But yeah, we'd love to play with you guys over on DraftKings. It is, uh, as the kids say, the place to be. Bets, why don't you uh, why don't you sign us out? I would love to, Kyle. Hopefully, you guys have a great weekend. Come play with us at BallersDFS.com and go get the DFS pass for the stupid, stupid price. It is too cheap. Good luck on Sunday. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Stupid and cheap. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.